Alrighty, welcome back to the Lifestyle Flipper Show. My name is Matt Scott and I've got a good friend of mine with me on the podcast today. Actually, Brian Angel is his name and Brian was uh, part of the original concept of this show. Uh, we, we recorded an episode like a year ago or something like that, maybe even longer <laughs> than a year ago, um, but uh, I didn't record it properly and, uh, and, and you know, um, the, the podcast didn't really take off back then, um, but yeah, so Brian's almost a veteran to the show now. This is his technically second second time on, so welcome to the show, Brian. Yeah, thanks, Matt. I, I appreciate that I'm not only the first guest, but I'm the first two-time guest, yeah. whether it shows up on <laughs> iTunes or not. Yeah, exactly. So I'm kind of a big deal, everybody. It is. It is a big deal. Whether, uh, yeah, exactly. We're, 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 no matter the technicalities, that's that's, that's cool. So, um, yeah, really excited to have you on the show, Brian. We've known each other for uh, a number of years now. Um, it's actually been a while since we've caught up, though. From memory, the last time we caught up was one of the dropship lifestyle retreats. That was the the Mexico retreat. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, that was the, the probably the most time we spent together when we really got to know each other. And, and I feel like we kept in, in touch a lot, but it just, I think both of us recently, for for obvious reasons, we've just been sucked up by, by business and, and family. And for, for whatever reason, we've fallen out of touch. It, it kind of happens sometimes. And to be honest, that's one of the, the main motivations of me starting this podcast. It's an excuse for me to really just touch base with all my, you know, buddies in business in, in e-commerce and, you know, jump on the phone and have a chat or, you know, in person, like meet up, have a chat because uh, it's the same thing, you know, in our little bubble in e-commerce and dropshipping. It's the same thing everywhere, right? Like you you tend to go through life, you, you, you have a family and you have a job or business and you get busy and you fall out of touch with your friends and um, I... I reckon it's it's not cool. <laughs> we, of course, yeah. we do staying in touch a, a whole lot more than what we do. So, uh, so yeah, I'm I'm really glad that uh, you uh, are coming on the show again, and yeah, we're able to catch up, and maybe uh, maybe our listeners can um, can enjoy some of the things that uh, we discuss. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll tell you the the irony of this, Matt, is that this is actually something I've been thinking about a lot lately. Uh, I recently re- read a really great book called um, Tribe by Sebastian Junger, and I've just been thinking a lot lately. Um, as I think entrepreneurs do about what they want in life and what their goals are, and and one of the things I've really I've realized brings me the most joy is connecting with people um, on a really you know first person really uh, on a really close basis. And the people that I that I find that I connect the closest with now are other people that have e-commerce businesses like you and I. So it's like it's funny. Yeah. It's something that that I I really want to develop more and and put myself into more going forward. So. For sure. Uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully I can I can do a better job of that. No, and, and I completely agree. Like you, you have the most interest in the things that you know you're doing and, and you're you know you're, you're working on. If, if someone else has those same interests as well, like the conversation just kind of flows, right? Like um, I don't know about you, but you but you might go to like a family event and you've you know, or, or, or you know, catch up with old friends, and if you've if your lives have drifted apart a little bit, it's kind of hard to have that same sort of conversation as what you would with someone who's doing, you know, something similar to you and finds what you're doing interesting and vice versa. So yeah, it makes, it definitely makes, definitely makes a lot of sense. That's for sure. Yep. So Brian, um, for the people who didn't catch our first episode, which, um, 
would be most people because uh, the audio, of course, was was terrible. <laughs> um, why don't you start with tell them, telling everyone and uh, a little bit about yourself? Um, you know what your what your background is and uh, and you know leading up to present day. Okay, so uh, I've been um, in e-commerce essentially at least at least I've had my current business now for. Uh, three years, almost almost to the day, actually, I've had it for, for three years. Uh, before that, I think you probably, or at least I would have considered myself a sales guy. Um, I did sales and marketing in various capacities. I, I actually cut my teeth working for my father as a, as a manufacturer's rep in my mid-20s, which um, to this day, I actually think is one of the best life and, and business experiences I had. I, I think uh, there are a few things that can prepare somebody for business in general than actually having to sell to somebody face-to-face, person-to-person. Um, so I feel like that that influences a lot of, of what I do and a lot of my success today. Uh, before that, I don't know if I've ever told you this, Matt, but I actually initially made my living uh, as a professional sailor and as a sailing coach. Really? Uh, no, I did not know that at all. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, so so when I was in my in my mid teens, I started getting really competitive in sailboat racing and got some chances to to actually travel to New Zealand and Australia. That was <clears throat> that was where my first big events, big travel events were. And so as I got into my early twenties, um, I, I put together a team. I fundraised a bunch of money. I think I think over the course of a few years, we raised over a hundred thousand dollars. Wow! Plus we pulled pulled prize pools together, prize money together from different events, and traveled all over the world. So I, I raced sailboats everywhere from from uh, Sydney Harbor to literally a, 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 an obscure lake in the middle of Switzerland, which you wouldn't think uh, <laughs> as a as a sailing venue, but um, but had a great time doing that and. And then running a youth sailing program on the side while I was trying to to live that dream. So that is speak. crazy. I, I never knew that about you, and that's that's so interesting. Like where I live at the moment in um, on the Mornington Peninsula, down in Victoria in Australia, like there's uh, there's a lot of sailing actually. Um, there's there's sail clubs in like every suburb along near where I live, and it's it's actually something that I've been wanting to get into, like as a as a as like a, a hobby or a sport. Um, so, so I'm, yeah, I'm really glad that uh, you've talked that because I'll, I'll definitely be coming to you with questions about uh, about the sport. That's for sure. Yeah, it's funny how how things come full circle. I mean, there was a time when when I eat, breathed, and slept sailing. It was everything to me, and yet now here I am living in Colorado, completely <laughs> landlocked. Yeah, no, no sailboats for miles. And I think a lot of my old friends think think that I'm crazy. Right? They they constantly ask me how. How I survive, right? How how do I get by without having the ocean and without being able to sail? Uh, for me, I look at it as you know, I probably sailed enough for for two lifetimes in the years that I did it, so I don't feel like I'm missing anything. Uh-huh. Um, and, and and you know, I mean, just the, those I don't want to call it a hole, but those those holes, those gaps in your in your life and in your hobbies, they get replaced by other things, you know. And and now my business and my family are are what I take the most joy out of. So. Do you think you'd ever get back into sailing? Uh, yeah, I mean, if I if I live near the water, there's no question. Yeah, I of course. A bit hard if you but, live in Colorado. <laughs> it, well, it, there are sailing clubs here. Like I could do it if I really wanted to, but I, I don't. the 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 desire isn't isn't strong enough for me to to do that. But what I would say is, you know, when I was younger, 
I was just race, 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 race. That's what I love to do. I, I didn't like being on a boat unless I was competing against somebody. Uh-huh. And and now I find myself being drawn to the idea of one day owning a sailboat and cruising and taking my kids out on the boat and and doing it in a much more leisurely way than than I ever did or ever would even have even tolerated as a kid or as a you know twenty something year old. Well, that's exactly what I'm thinking of, like the reason why I want to get into it, right? Because um, I think it was maybe a month or two ago, I was uh, walking down along the beach with uh, my wife, Amy, and my daughter, Isabel, and um, yeah, for some reason, I just caught, caught like, this, this one sailboat just caught my eye, and um, I was just looking, and I was thinking you know like what would be my what would be my 10 year goal or you know like 15 year goal like what do i actually want to do because i've got you know short term goals i've got 1 year 3 year 5 year um that's fine but what do i what do i want to do when i'm in my 40s what do i want to do when i'm in my 50s and so on and i thought maybe getting a sailboat and you know working maybe half the year or working a couple of days a week and spending the rest of my time cruising islands up around the north of Australia or, or something like that would be a pretty cool lifestyle to have for a while. Um, so it's interesting you say that that's something that you're thinking or you have thought of before. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's probably not my future because um, my wife my wife can't even step on a dock without getting seasick, <laughs> let alone a boat. So, so that's probably ruled out for me. Yeah, but I but I'll so. tell you what, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you a cool thing. If if you're into this and you have some free time, check out the YouTube channel for Sailing La Vagabond. Oh, it's actually okay. an Australian couple that have been sailing around the world for I don't know three four years together now, and they've documented the whole thing and they do a really great job. And um, it'll just give you I think it'll give you a good connection to what that's like, and and certainly it's gonna it's gonna deepen that desire if that's. Uh, if, if that's inside of you. Mm, definitely. All right, I'll check that out and I'll put that in the show notes if anyone else wants to check yeah. that as well. So, um, so so you were sailing for a while and then you um, started working for your dad in a, in a sales type of business. Um, how long were you there for and, uh, and, and what happened from there? Uh, I was there for about three years. Um, and to be honest, I, I it was it was a great job. I actually really loved working with my father. Um, we, we actually, I think we did a really good job of separating ourselves so you know it, it, it's my dad's company he, he had partners at the time but he was the president he ran it primarily and we had me sort of reporting to somebody else and, and just had a really good setup there but it, it was pretty obvious to me that that it wasn't going to be something that I wanted to do long term and I think a lot of people that would listen to your podcast can probably relate to this they just they've had jobs and and by all accounts they should be wonderful jobs or wonderful careers for the for the average person but um, maybe I'm just not good at working for other people or, you know, I just, I want to do my thing and, and I've always wanted to make my own way. So after about three years, I actually, I left and went back to school, which in hindsight was really just an excuse to get out because I, it would have been really hard to go to my father and say, I just don't want to do this anymore at the time. You uh-huh. know, we've had the talk since then and he knows, and I'm actually still involved. I, I still actually, um, I actually consult for the business now uh, on their annual strategy, which is still fun. So I, you know, I keep involved and I help my dad. But anyways, I left there and went back to school and sort of reevaluated what I wanted to do with my life. And thankfully, my wife allowed me to do that and helped support the family while I did that. Um, and I, I still worked then, but wasn't making nearly as much money. Um, I got out of school and then I actually started a company with one of my best friends. 
um, here in California. It was a it was a tech startup. It would take a long time to explain, but it was a it was a business that was that revolves around 3D cameras and using that to um, take let's say like a health snapshot of your body and give you a visualization of what your body looks like and 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 to use that as a means of losing weight or getting in shape. Uh-huh. Um, really really neat company. But the agreement at that point when I started was that I can work for that company until our first child was born. So at that point, my wife and I were married. We soon had a baby on the way. And long story short, I did that for a year, had a lot of fun um, with, with, you know, with my, my good friend and, and just sort of running around Silicon Valley trying to raise money and trying to get customers. And we got a few customers, but bottom line was first son was born we weren't. We didn't have revenue to pay a salary at that point, so you know the agreement was, "I'm out of here." So yeah. I left that job and took another job. You know, I, I wouldn't want to go through every every job I've ever had. But <laughs> what's funny? What's, what's funny is that I just I've always actually been really fortunate to fall into great jobs. I had a great job working for my father. Um, I had a great job working for Fit3D, the company that I was just telling you about. I had a great job working for a company called Servicon, where where they almost let me do whatever the hell I wanted to do. It was, it was a, you know, I came in uh, with a relationship with the CEO and she let me, she let me, you know, handle marketing a little bit. She let me get involved in the learning program. She let me get involved in strategy and sales, but I just never, I never functioned well, or at least I was never happy working for other people. Yeah. So completely. You know, get you I, there. Yeah. I, yeah. I, th- I think that's yeah. really common luck in a lot of people uh, that we have on this show and I know definitely with myself and probably a lot of our listeners as well, like there's that little voice in your head which says, you know, this isn't going to be enough. You know, this isn't what uh, what's going to be sufficient for you to be happy, you know, the rest of your life. And there's got to be something more out there. And even if even if it like it, you, you fail and it doesn't work, like it's just that matter of going out and trying, and you need to satisfy that urge to actually you know find or at least try and see what else is out there. Yeah, well, I, and there's also there's just a there's just a lifestyle and control component to this too. I mean, yeah, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't freaks. a control freak. Yeah. <laughs> but 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 the other part of it is that I just you know I make. Um, significantly less than I made five years ago right now. My wife and I combined. We both worked. We lived in Los Angeles. We made great money. We had a nice house. We were in a really good life situation by all accounts, right? We were living the American dream, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. But if you asked me now um, if I could go back to the job market, like if if for whatever reason – um, it appeared that it would make it, I could make more money right now by going back and getting a job. There's just no way in hell I would I would do it. Yeah. I just I, I'm I'm happy making a fraction of what I used to make and scratching by financially as long as I'm working for myself and controlling my own destiny and controlling my own schedule. Um, you know, compared to you know commuting into an office nine to five and 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 living that lifestyle. I, for me, it's just a nightmare. But you know what? Even though you say you're making a fraction of what you were making back then, what what gets what excites me is the potential of when you work for yourself, right? Like you might be working, um, you know, in a great job and have a great salary, but quite often, a lot of the time, um, if you're at that position, the the future potential to for it to get better, whether that's earning more money or being in a role where you've got more responsibility or really being happier is 
is significantly less than if you were to be working for yourself. Because if you work for yourself, the potential is like absolutely endless. It's infinite, right? Like it's completely up to you to create your own future. You can, of course, change a lot in a few years' time, and and you know, in another five years' time, perhaps you might be earning ten times more than you were, you know, five years, you know, five years previously. You know, so. Yeah. I think I think yeah. that's something that um, that definitely speaks to me, and, and I think a lot of uh, entrepreneurs or people you know that uh, you know work for themselves or have that desire, they actually realize that and appreciate that. Yeah. Well, and 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 the other aspect of this is you know you and I as business owners, you know, we may not be we may not be pulling in as much cash, you know, as much income as we used to. But but the other side of the coin is we're also building assets. And so, so to your point, not only do we have the ability to be happier down the road and earn more, but we're building up we're building up assets that that have value in and of themselves. Yeah. And so whereas in another job where you're safe, you know, you're saving, you know, whatever, 20, 30, 50 thousand dollars a year. That's great. You, you know, you know how long it's going to take you to get to your retirement goal for you and me. There's the absolute possibility that five years from now we both could cash out of our businesses and fully retire yeah. with you know the exact amount of money that we you know we set out to make in the first place. Exactly right, exactly right. And um, just to mention another podcast here, Anton Crowley from the e-commerce lifestyle podcast was talking about this just a few episodes ago. Um, and it, I'm not have you have you caught that podcast yet, Brian? I'm not sure which one. I've listened to his podcast, but I'm oh, not sure right, which one. Oh, right, okay. Um, I can't remember which one it was, but he was talking about um, you know taxes and where you should be putting your money. Um, and, and he was saying exactly that. Like, you should definitely be putting it back into your business, you know, a good chunk of it back in your business rather than trying to, you know, cash out because, you know, a lot of people, uh, no matter where you're based, whether it's the you know, US or Australia or anywhere else, like, you get taxed on your own personal income. So if you're trying to take out a heap of money from your business, then your business isn't going to be growing as quickly um, and you're going to be giving you know, up to half of it or in some people's cases even more straight to the government in, in taxes anyway. So yeah, it definitely makes sense to, uh, you know, I think, you know, do what we're doing, live sort of not as, um, not as an, an, an extravagant life or not to the same level as what we might have been before, um, but also have that possibility of, you know, having a big big ca- uh, cash out one day if, if that's what you know yeah. if that's what yeah. you want absolutely um so brian so you're you worked for your dad for a while you did the sailing you've had a few other um cool jobs along the way um and now you've been working for yourself for about three years is that right yeah yeah and that's right your your business just to um let our listeners know like that's uh that's, that's an e-commerce drop shipping business is that right yeah, so so my primary business right now is is an e-commerce, you know, retail online retailer. Uh, I just hate using the the term drop shipping in general. <laughs> Not that there's anything <laughs> wrong too. with the idea, but but it it doesn't fully encapsulate, I think, what we do. And in fact, we've even started taking on inventory with some of our suppliers since then. So I like to think of ourselves as as a as just a, a an online reseller or online retailer, but we primarily do drop shipping. Yeah, I think so too. I think the reason why that is such like a um, that that term leaves a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths is because of the 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 flip side of what we do. So so both you and I we do 
uh, what's called you know high ticket drop shipping is another sort of name for what we do we sell high ticket items so like expensive items there's a lot of people out there that do a different type of drop shipping which is primarily um, cheaper items uh, from straight from China from somewhere like AliExpress um, which is a complete different business model and personally I, I don't like being associated with those type of businesses at all because they're they're completely different. They're not even really a business. They're just like a, a fad or a concept which sort of, uh, you know, rolls around for a little while, but then the products die out and, you know, the, the business itself doesn't really have that much value compared to what we're building are actually, as you said, like they're, they're retailers. Um, they, they're primarily based online and they primarily work on a dropship model, but they're, they're, they're a real business. They're, they're, they have value and that you can, you can buy them and you can sell them. Yeah, I look at it this way. The, the word dropshipping isn't the stigma. It's it's to me, dropshipping is a, a distribution model, not a business model. Yeah. Right. So our business model is is e-commerce. Our, our, our business model, in its simplest form, is selling for our for our suppliers and servicing customers for our suppliers in a way that they can't. Right. It allows them to focus on manufacturing and designing great products. We focus on selling and servicing customers. It just so happens that our model of distribution that makes sense in our industries, especially considering that these are high ticket and, and, and in a lot of cases, big, heavy, bulky items, it just makes the most sense for them to be drop ships. There's just no economic purpose for you know somebody's buying a, a couch. There's no reason for that couch to, to, to be manufactured um, and then stored in a manufactured warehouse shipped to a, a retailer, stored again, and then shipped a second time to the customer. It just adds cost to the supply chain, which adds cost to the customer, which makes everything harder to sell. It just makes, as a distribution model, it makes a lot of sense. And I think it's, it's, perfectly, it's perfectly viable. Exactly. And I think it's actually coming, uh, becoming more common. The last couch that we just we purchased, and when you mentioned couch before, it reminded me of this, they worked on the exact same principle. Like we still, my wife Amy and I, we still went into a showroom and we still picked the couch that we wanted. But then they said, "Okay, no problems. We will, uh, we will have this made and it will get shipped straight to your house." And it was like, you know, eight weeks later or something like that, they made it and they shipped it straight to our house rather than having, uh, you know, a, a massive warehouse where they had to stock at least, you know, X amount, maybe up to ten of every type of couch in every different color and every different style, it would add massive cost to that business's, um, it would, to, to that business in general. And, and therefore they'd have to have higher prices that mightn't even allow them to have a business model at all. But, you know, by having just that small showroom and people can choose what they want and then it's, you know, made to order, they could, they could, uh, they, you know, have a, have a business model, which was efficient. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense, right? It saves, it saves everybody money. It saves the retailer money. It saves the the customer money. Yeah. Um, you know, there, certainly there is a downside, right? And and, and in my um, in my opinion, the two downsides are uh, well, well. The primary downside is that because the infrastructure has now developed for all of these manufacturers to ship and fulfill directly to the customer, many of them have now also invested in their own direct sales. Right. Uh -huh. and, and it's never been easier for a manufacturer to 
market and ship directly to a consumer. So, so the downside of all, of all the great things that we just talked about is that, unfortunately, we now, in many cases, compete against our own suppliers. You know, thankfully, most of them aren't very good at it, right? And so <laughs> and we, can do, we can do a better job and we, yeah. can, we can still add value and, and we can be an imp- impartial third party that they can never be. Um, but there's no question that, um, that as, as, as retailers, that, that drop ship, that does create some, some risk for us. Definitely, definitely. Hey, you, you're not wrong there, that's for sure. One of the things I wanted to chat to you about, Brian, was um, was your goal setting because uh, one of the, like the way that I set goals is I actually use a spreadsheet that I got from from you um, uh, a couple of years ago that I do every year. Like I call mine, I think, a business master sheet, and I write down you know my goals in different if, in different categories, like what. Um, I can't even remember them off the top of my head. I probably should have. Um, I've had a look at the spreadsheet before we jumped on the call, but uh, you know they're all in different categories. And um, and and what I find is I I look back on that every now and then, like it might be every couple of weeks. I'll I'll just I'll skim over it, and I'll just keep holding myself accountable to those goals by making sure that they're always in you know in in the back of my mind. Like, and by doing that, I can have a uh, you know, I can have a better compass, like a better gauge as to how I do things day to day, like how I decide, okay, should I be focusing on this or should I be focusing on that? Um, so do you still use that same spreadsheet or that same like planner that um, you shared with me years ago? No, I've evolved recently. Um, <laughs> evolved is kind of a funny word, right? But uh, it makes me sound like I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm superhuman now. Um, You're a Pokemon. I, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> so I have recently started using Traction. I don't know if you've read, read the book Traction. I haven't, but I've um, heard a lot about it. Yeah, I, I read it early last year, um, took to it pretty quickly. Um, I, I think, I mean, you, if you look at it, you'd find that it, it, in some ways it, it it requests a lot of the same things that you had in, in your goal sheet that you talked about, but it just gives a much better system um, to sort of encapsulate everything and, and, and beyond just goals. But it, you know, it, it, it helps you sort of redefine what your clear vision is and what your values are. Um, but, but what it really, it forces you into a process of annually sitting down with yourself or with your team, you know, whatever, whatever your entity is, your partners, um, it forces you to set annual goals and it then forces you to set quarterly goals that lead specifically to those annual goals. Um, in, in fact, they call those, they call those quarterly rocks in traction. And, and so I maintain a sheet every quarter of what those quarterly rocks are. And, and that has really helped me to stay on my goals. But I, I should be honest. I'm as poor as anybody at keeping the goals. I mean, I, I know like you listen to podcasts all the time and you, and you, you hear these superhumans talk that, that have multi-million dollar companies and they talk about how amazing they are at implementing all this stuff. And, and the bottom line is most of us are really fallible. Most of us constantly undershoot our goals. We constantly fail to look back on our goals and make sure we're even hitting them. Yep. We get distracted and pulled in a lot of different directions. And I am, as guilty as anybody of that, you know, especially for those of us that are 
I can't remember if it's right brain or left brain, but those of us that are, you know, we're the, we're the visionary, you know, type person, not yeah. so much the, the implementer and the detail person. It's really hard for us to keep all those, um, you know, keep all those on track and keep them in, in, in mind. So what I think traction has done for me is it's really forced me to, to aggressively drill down to what are the, like the three or four things that I really need to focus on in this quarter and, and making sure that I get that done. And, and of course, within that quarter, there's going to be tons of things that are going to happen, right? You're going to have a, a new state come up where you're going to have to, you're going to have to start collecting sales tax. So you have to go down that road or, or you're going to have a manufacturer or a supplier that you sell 500 products for, uh, you know, they're, they're going to have a price increase, right? Or you're going to have a new brand that needs to come in and be onboarded to go onto your store. You know, that stuff still happens mm-hmm. and, and you can't, kind of you can't get around that stuff but but I think having those three or four goals and having it very visible something that you're you're touching and and looking at on a on a weekly or daily basis has probably been what has helped me the most um, the other thing frankly that has helped me is is bringing in a partner I, I brought in a partner to our primary business back in September um, and there's probably I, I can't I can think of a few things that have been better for me in terms of keeping me accountable. Um, I want to make sure that I'm doing the things that I promise him and tell him that I'm going to do because I just find that I'm not very accountable to myself. I'm accountable to my family. I'm accountable to my friends. I'm accountable to my partners. So using that to motivate, you know, that you know, motivate get doing the right things and getting things done. I think that's a really good point. Like what you said there, like realizing what your weaknesses are and then putting systems in place to uh you know to 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 get around them right like you said then that um you know one of your weaknesses might be you know keeping yourself motivated but by bringing in a partner that immediately forces you to you know step up your game all right like that that makes that makes a lot of sense um for, for me i'm actually i'm actually opposite like i have worked um, with a partner before, um, Daniel, who was on one of our previous episodes, yeah. uh, Daniel Johnny, we, we had a store together um, a, a little while ago. And although it was great, like I felt that um, it didn't help my motivation at all. Like, you know, it, if, if anything, it probably made it worse because I thought, you know, this is going to take longer because I've got to, you know, um, you know, Dan and I have to talk about something before we actually implement it. And, you know, because I can often be, someone that goes, uh, all right, this is my plan for today, but then um, I, I might completely push that plan to the, to the side just to get like one big thing done. Uh, for example, like yesterday, I wanted to change the theme on a new store that I'd recently acquired and I literally didn't get out of my seat for like four hours just until I got it done um, versus if you, if you got a partner on board, you know, that um, you might not always be able to do that. You might have certain obligations that you have to, uh, fulfill um, within that partnership. Maybe you've got you know like a, you know something that you've both agreed that you'll be working on, or a meeting schedule, or something like that. But you know that's again that like that's not one of my um, it's, it's not what I you know enjoy in, in my business, not one of my weaknesses or whatever. Um, but it makes sense for you, and it's, it's really cool that you've seen that in your business and, and how you sort of uh, react in business. That uh, that's something you've used to sort of to plug that gap, so to speak. Yeah, I, I think it's just it's about finding something that will actually force you to feel accountable. 
Yeah, I guess is, sure. is, 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 I think that's what it comes down to. And, and that can be different for every person. You know, the, you... the, yes, yeah, sorry. Okay, go. The other thing I was going to say that, that has really helped me is, is weekly tracking. So, so one of the things that I did as part of the, the traction process is I created a weekly scorecard. So every week I take about 15 minutes. It's probably all it takes, maybe, maybe 10 minutes. And, um, and I've got a, I've got a Google spreadsheet that, that keeps running week to week to week, um, where I will just collect a few data points from analytics and from Shopify and, and, and a couple other places within our own infrastructure, just so I can have a sense for, um, you know, the health of the business and the trends of the business. And then naturally that process forces my brain into, um, the 30,000 foot view working on my business and not in my business for at least a few minutes every week. And I also, every week I try to get out of the office and go to a coffee shop or a restaurant for like a, an hour or so just to sit down and, and just recalibrate with, with my goals, look at my traction sheets, uh, and think about what things I need to get done this week and what things I need to be working towards to, to finish my goals for this quarter. That's really cool. And that's something that I think that I definitely need to do to implement in my business with my goal setting, especially because, you know, as I mentioned before, I might go back and have a look at my goal setting sheet, but really all I do is I, I skim over it and I kind of, you know, um, have a conversation in my head uh, in regards to each point, like, am I doing this? Am I doing that? Um, and I might, you know, write down a few action things to do if I'm not, you know, on that pathway to meeting those goals. But it's very sporadic. Like I don't have a set time every week or every month. It'll just be, you know, every now and then I'll I'll open up that spreadsheet and go, oh yeah, okay, I really need to be looking at this again. But I really love that idea of what you were saying then, as you have a specific day every week or every other week that you actually go out of your office. So you're in a neutral environment where you can just focus on that one thing. So just look at those goals. Um, so that's really cool. I'm actually, I'm definitely going to be implementing that in my business for my goal setting. That's for sure. Yeah. And there's no question that the office clutters the brain, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, even <laughs> I, I'm sure I, I imagine in your business, knowing what you do, I imagine that you probably see a majority of your transaction during business hours. Is that right? Uh, you mean like transaction, like sales, like, like sales, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, like activity yeah. and sales. Right. And I, I'm the same way. I, I'm yeah. in a, and we're, I guess we're both in very B2B businesses. So part of it mm -hmm. is that during business hours, I, my level of anxiety goes up. Not that I'm, <laughs> not that I'm stressed out by it, but I'm just, you know, there's just more distractions, right? There's yeah. stuff going on. And so just like being out of my office helps, I'm so much more productive if I'm writing a piece of content or, or, um, doing something on the business. I'm so much more productive on Saturday and Sunday and outside of my office than in it. I, I find the exact same thing. Like on a, a Saturday, I will often bring my laptop home and, um, you know, sometimes I'll work on Saturday mornings before, you know, um, my wife and daughter get up and I find I get so much more done because there's no emails coming in. There's no chat coming in. There's no questions. It's just literally me and the thing that I've got to do. And I remember um, one of my old bosses from an apprenticeship that I did years ago when I was like first out of school, um, he said the exact same thing. We were working on a Saturday one time and I, I must have been in com general conversation uh, about what we were doing. This was in construction, so like we're outside where I think we're spreading like soil or, or by, by hand or something like that, right? And um, 
he said that his favorite day of the week to work is Saturday because he, his phone doesn't ring. There's no one asking him questions and he just gets to focus on what's exactly like directly in front of him. I'm a hundred percent in agreement. Yeah. Once the kids, for me, once the kids go down for the nap, I'm, I'm it's on. shooting for the computer. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's go time. So and how, then, how do you, then, sorry, you go. Uh, and I was just going to ask you after that, I was just going to ask how you structure your, your day and your week to allow for, um, enough business time, enough family time. So, um, well, the first thing I was going to say is that having that scorecard, um, which I, which I do Monday mornings, almost first things, it's also been a great way to sort of give myself a dopamine shot and just get me like excited and ready to get back into the business on a Monday morning when sometimes I think it's easy to feel a little bit of a hangover Uh if you're in a situation like you and I, right? It's not that I don't look forward to Mondays. It's just that after a couple of days of family and fun, it, you do need sort of that 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 shot of of go juice to get you back into business mode. For sure. and that always helps me. Yeah, yeah, definitely, um, definitely agree. As as far as structuring my day, um, I so the way I, I I try to do it is I break my day into two segments. So I I work out every day at um, at noon my time from twelve to one, uh-huh. and and so I basically I've got a morning and an afternoon um, session, and it depends on the time of year. Sometimes I'll literally get up at like six thirty and go to work until until it's time to to go to the gym. Um, I probably you know leave here at like eleven thirty. Sometimes I get up and I hang out with the kids and wait till they go off to school and get to work at eight thirty. It just depends on what I feel like. And I I I'll be honest, I don't put pressure on myself to do one or the other. I just depending on what I feel like doing, I do. Um, but I just I try to by by splitting the day into two pieces, I try to use that to sort of compartmentalize my um, my work. So historically, I would try to do my deep work in the morning. You know, if it's if it's writing a piece of content, um, working on email, uh, and I don't mean like answering emails. I mean like working on email automation and things like that in Clavio. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whatever the project might be, I try to make that block my project time, and then I try to make the other block my reactionary time, responding to emails, helping customers, uh, whatever that is. I mean that. As you know, that list is always way longer than you would ever expect it to be of all just that <laughs> random stuff you need to do. Yeah. So um, what I've recently found, though, is, you know, every book and every person generally tells you that the best time to go deep into work is in the morning. But for some reason, it just finally dawned on me that I was actually at my best in the afternoons. And I noticed it because at one point late last year, I was so focused on a project, I literally just started blocking out all that all that other stuff i was i was using both morning and afternoon any days that i could to focus on deep work uh in my case i've you know been writing a lot of content and things like that and i found that the hours from 1 30 or 2 o'clock to about 4 35 o'clock whenever i would leave were much more productive for that than in the morning so so now i generally i i get up i i will make sure that that I sort of put out any fires, solve any problems, get all the inbox stuff out of the way, which again, this is what all the experts tell you not to do, but it allows me to feel like, okay, I don't have to worry about that anymore. All that stuff is is accounted for and I'll check my email again um, just before I go to the gym and then I and then I get to work on on whatever I, I need to work on that day. 
There's two things that you've mentioned there that I want to touch uh, touch on, and the the first one is um, that you you work out every day. I think that's that's super important. That's something that's really helped out me as well. Like I um, have always struggled to have that routine where I you know work out, but recently, the last probably five months, I've I've had a routine where I work out almost every day. I think it's usually only one or two days a week where I don't work out um, and I always try and work out during my my you know Monday to Friday work week and I kind of have the weekends off and that is that has really helped me because it's it's, it's something about working out you know it just gets things moving and it feels like you're you're ticking you're ticking that box off like that that health box you know what I mean like we, we tend to focus so much on our business and our work now relationships with our family and quite often for a lot of people the last thing that we focus on is is ourselves is our own you know health but i i just find if i'm in shape or and if i'm if i'm you know eating the right foods getting enough sleep and working out consistently then i feel so much better and it, it has a carry-on effect in every other part of my life as well so i have like i'm happier so i spend more quality time with my family and my, my my brain seems to be working better so I can focus uh, deeper at work. Um, that's something that uh, really really works for me. So what type of workouts are, are you doing? Are you going to a gym and doing a lot of weight stuff? Um, I, I, you used to be involved in CrossFit. Is that what you're doing these days still? Yeah, um, I, I used to do CrossFit five days a week. Now, actually, what I've been doing for a while now is uh, I do CrossFit Monday, Wednesday, Wednesday, Friday, and then on Tuesday and Thursdays, I've actually been doing Krav Maga. So I've been oh, been doing nice. more of a of a martial arts focus, which has been really fun. Um, and um, you know, I, I to me, I don't know that it matters entirely. I think you just you have to you have to move, you have to you have to you know get your body active. Ideally, I think high intensity of some fashion really helps because I think there's just a physiological effect on the body and on the brain that you kind of alluded to there. Uh, for me, it, it, I mean, I get severe monkey brain when I don't, when I don't work out, I, I get a little bit more irritable. Um, I lose my focus. And so yep. like, for example, today and yesterday, I have not gone to the gym just because my, my back's been a little bit sore and I just wanted to take, take some time off. I was going to say, um, you, you seem a bit irritated there, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Matt. Um, <laughs> Sorry, just kidding. You've gone too far. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, I, um, I, I like CrossFit and I, and, and to some extent I like Krav Maga. I like doing classes like that because I feel like, again, it's just sort of this operating system wherein I don't have to think about what I'm going to do. I don't have to think about what I'm going to lift or where I'm going to run. I, you know, I just make sure I sign up every morning. I show up, I do what they tell me to do and I leave. And, and as an entrepreneur, I, you know, the less decisions that I can make in a day, um, I feel is beneficial to me and, um, and it's it just, it's very easy to adhere to and to follow. Definitely. I, I did CrossFit for about a year and a half, almost two years. And although it was great, um, and I did love the aspects of, you know, just going somewhere and, you know, you've got your workout of the day and you don't have to think about anything else, but just doing what someone else tells you to do, which is great as a business owner. Cause usually, you know, we're having to make all the decisions all day. Having someone else tell you what to do in some other aspect of your life is actually a relief um, for, for me that I found. But I actually 
started doing working out at home just with body weight um, workouts over the over the previous over the past five months, um, and I'm I'm actually really enjoying that, and I'm getting better results from that than what I was with with CrossFit. Funnily enough, um, so for me, I get up at you know six a.m. and I have a drink of water uh, and put my clothes on, and I pretty much just go straight downstairs and get straight into the workout, which lasts, you know, anywhere from half an hour to an hour. And I use an app called Freeletics, and it's it's awesome. Like, there's a different workout every day. You track your progress, you know, just like what you do in CrossFit. You know, you, you keep trying to beat your PBs, um, but you just don't have that, um, I guess, the cost. The cost is one thing. It costs significantly yeah. less to, to pay for an app subscription. Um uh, but yeah, you, just you don't, don't have to drive to and from. You yeah, don't you don't have to drive to time. and from. Yeah. Exactly. Because for me in the mornings, like I'm exactly, like, kind of alluding to what I wanted to pick up on what you said before, how you get, um, you like to get all the uh, emails and things done first thing in the morning. That's, that's like what's on my brain first thing in the morning too, right? So I just, I want to get that out of the way and done. So if I have to, you know, it's been an extra half an hour or so driving to and from a gym. Um, it's just like postponing that for me. So I find that just working at home and doing that myself works really well. Like I've installed a um, uh, a chin-up bar at home, um, so you know I can do most things that I could do in a you know in a CrossFit gym aside from the all, all the weights and things like that. Um, but yeah, that, that seems to be working really well for me. And what I wanted to speak about before, like what you mentioned before, was um, how you get you know, a, a better result from doing your deep dive work in the afternoon. I found the exact same thing because what I said, just touching on what I was saying before, was I've always got that um, thing in the back of my mind, like I know that the emails are there waiting and I know my team might be waiting for me to actually action something before they can do their part on it. Um, and if I don't, if I wait to the afternoon, then they might not have enough time to actually, you know, complete their part of the task, and I might delay it by another twenty-four hours. And so, yeah, for me, that's it, it's it's a strange thing as well because, as you said, all the pros say no, do all your important stuff first, and then you know do all the minutiae later on. But uh, yeah, it, it works the opposite way for me too. Yeah, there's probably some power of the deadline in there too, right? Because for you and I. I think you know we, we probably share um, that we cut cut our work off at a certain time to get home and and have dinner with the kids and hang out with the kids in the evening. That's and it. And so I do I do feel like there's some some part of me that maybe pushes a little bit harder in the afternoon because I know the end of the day is coming and I I want to get I want to finish whatever it is I'm working on before you know four thirty five o'clock comes and I go downstairs and devote devote myself to family time for a little while because it is so hard to shut the brain off if you're as i'm sure you can relate if you are mid project or 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 you're just right in the middle of something especially in terms of deep work and you have to just cut it off because the day is over and it's time to go have dinner with your kids or whatever the reason is it's so hard to remove that from your brain oh yeah for sure definitely uh, and that's something that's really helped out me as well like um i, I work from my office now in my warehouse so i actually have to leave home drive to my office um, and during that drive to my office I can sort of switch on it's like a 25 minute half an hour drive I can listen to a podcast I can just have silence and just sort of switch on for the day and the same thing for the way home like I can actually 
take that time to switch off because I'm the same as you like I've got my wife and daughter at home I uh, I, I work till you know five o'clock at the office then I, I drive home just as a bit of a side note like if you hear any background noise at the moment it's like torrential rain here at, in, my, in, my, in my office <laughs> yeah I could all of a sudden like I can barely hear you it's so loud I hope the mic isn't picking that up because I that just is... assumed you were walking through traffic oh wow no no that's like it hasn't rained here in, in Melbourne for, for months, and I think we're, we're getting it all in, in, in th- this morning, perhaps. I don't know. <laughs> it's so loud. Well, you're still, you're still audible, I can see. You're okay, cool. That's good. That's good. Um, uh, what was one of the other things? Oh, see, uh, before our uh, call, you mentioned, um, and if I start yelling, I'm sorry, it's just because I can't hear anything. <laughs> but you mentioned that uh, you've recently... Uh, purchased a business because I've and it's uh, interesting because I've done the same thing um, a, a friend of mine had a, a you know, an, an online retailer or a dropshipping store for sale he was moving in a different direction and I've just actually gone through that whole process of purchasing a business um, and there's there's so many things that I've learned through that process um, and, and how I'll do things you know handle things differently next time so um Yours is a, di- a bit of a different story because you are purchasing a much larger business than what I have, and you know that comes with. I think, f- correct me if I'm wrong, but your business that you're purchasing, you know, has like stock involved and and this and that and a brand name attached to it. So, um, what uh, are some of the lessons that you've learned about acquiring an existing business, and how might you tackle it, you know, differently or uh, next time? Well, yeah, I've learned a ton. So, so. First off, there's only so much I can talk about about it right now. Just just to sort of set set expectations, I'm still technically in a non-disclosure agreement, and we're just finalizing a couple last things so that that non-disclosure agreement can be removed, and I can finally talk openly about this. But but long story short, yeah, one of I am in the process of and just about at the finish line. Um, of completing, or sorry, of purchasing one of our suppliers. Um, and this is like, I'm, I'm gassed over this. This is like one of the most exciting things that's happened to me in a long time. And um, I couldn't be more thrilled. I love my current business. I love my retail business. But I've always, from the very beginning, I've always had the goal of getting into physical products and developing my own brand. And this just happens to be the, like, almost the perfect situation for me it's it's in my my primary niche that I'm already in I know it really well the products that we'll be selling happen to be my favorite products that are in this industry like I just a huge fan of what they created um and um and I'm just I'm just thrilled to have my own my own label of my own brand of of products so um as far as as what I have learned from the process, it has been immensely slow. You know, the saying goes, you know, with with startups or with with fi- business financing and business um, you know, business acquisitions, they always say, you know, however long you think it's going to take, double it. And and to be frank, I should have quadrupled it. <laughs> I started this process in the beginning of June last year, and we still haven't quite completed the transaction as of as of today so we're looking at nine nine months so far yeah um the uh, 
what would I say? I, I think what really worked well for me is I went into this with a very open mind and with no expectations. And, and one of my general business philosophies is to just focus on relationships and let opportunities bear out from those relationships. So I've always, I've always taken a lot of time to really get to know my suppliers on a personal level. I try to do the same thing with my customers as well, but it's, I think it's really important that if you're in our business that you know our suppliers as well as you possibly can. So, you know, those relationships have really sort of borne out this opportunity and then developing the relationships with this company as we negotiated these things led to what, you know, what became very, um, let me just say very favorable terms on my end. Um, if, if somebody, if, if a year ago, if somebody had told me that I could acquire the, the business that I'm, that I'm purchasing at the terms that I got, I would have told them they were crazy. Yeah, I would, that's I mean, crazy. By that orders cool. of magnitude, you know. Um, so, so, but you know, the, the story there is that the relationships that I built with those people over time really facilitated that, and and part of that relationship came from me going into it knowing, understanding that this isn't just about me. I'm not just trying to get my terms. I really wanted to understand what they were going to need for this to happen. And and invested myself in that, and I think that gave us a rapport that that led to where we are today. That makes so, so much so, sense. Yeah, it definitely makes so much sense that uh, you know you, you understand because it's a transaction, right? Like you've got to you've got to get what you want, but being aware of what the other person wants to be satisfied is so important because that way, as you said, you've been able to. Um, make things more appealing to them and, and do what do the things that they want you know answer those questions that they want to be answered to be able to make this thing work and because you've already got that existing great relationship with them which is something i think is super important as well like you've so many people just don't pick up the phone and and, and speak to their suppliers and their customers which I, I mentioned in a previous podcast that's one of the um, one of the main factors, I think, to why so many people don't find success in this business model is because they don't pick up the phone. They don't create those relationships. It's so much easier not to. And I find myself doing the same thing sometimes too. Like I'll go for, like I'll put off calling a supplier or I'll put off making a call just because I'd much rather be, you know, diving into my work, so to speak. But it's something that you've just got to do. You've just got to have those relationships and nurture those relationships with your suppliers, with your customers, because you never know what will come around. Like as you probably wouldn't, as you said, you probably wouldn't have realized that this business might come up for sale one day. And, you know, but by having that relationship with that supplier already, like you put yourself into a position where you could uh, capitalize on it. Yeah, I think it's so important that, you know, I literally make this a part of every every single communication or transaction or interaction with any human being in any of any of my businesses. And in fact, two of my core values directly relate to this. I, I have had two core values, one being serve others and create value, which isn't so much about building relationships, but it but it implies that if you're going to have a relationship, you have to give in order to receive later. Uh -huh. Um, and then the other one is give yourself and build relationships. Um, so, so, you know, that is meant to not just speak to me, but it's meant to speak to my employees. And, and so I think that every, every phone call, every email, every chat, 
is an opportunity to do that, and those relationships always pay dividend down the roads, and they don't require a whole lot of effort. I, I do know that some for some people it's just not natural, right? Some people just aren't as outgoing and don't like chatter or small talk quite so much. But my goodness, the dividends that come out of it if you're willing to put in that little bit of extra work and get out of your comfort zone in some cases. Um, yeah. It's just it's it, 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 you can't even quantify how valuable that can be to your business. And 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 for me, that's definitely true. Both in in the in in how we were able to to acquire this business and also some of the other opportunities that have come up with um, with with the existing you know the the longstanding business that we've had the retail business. And that's uh, applicable to any business as well. And it can even be applicable, it definitely is, outside of business too. It's all about, you know, relationships and the people around you. Like they, you know, you, you don't ever get anywhere on your own, that's for sure. Like you always need to have a network of people for, you know, a, a range of different support. And, you know, by nurturing relationships around you all the time, it's definitely going to help you get to where you want to go sooner and it'll open up new doors, which you didn't even think would be opening. So that, that's a really, really important. Yeah. Point. And, and, you know, if uh, I'm going to try not to try not to, to rant here, but I, <laughs> I think, I think e-commerce has a problem with this. I think there is a, a culture in e-commerce um, and, and maybe some of this comes from the way a lot of these different courses and influencers sell themselves and sell their products wherein, you know, the, the, the the vision is you know spend you know spend four hours a week working and you know let the let the automate the business and let it let it make money for you and in everything that that we tend to be taught um, and I think really specifically of how we're taught to write um, emails right how we're taught to taught to automate emails to our customers they're so very impersonal and and fail to develop these relationships. Um, you know, so it's it's more than just about serving the right picture or putting the right subject line or having the right call to action. Um, I think if you can, and this is where I think my sales background has really helped me to just sort of understand um, and get into the shoes of the people that I'm selling to, because I've already had to do that face to face in my past. If you can <clears throat> spend a little bit more time really understanding who's on the other end of your email or your phone call or your chat or just looking at your website and and develop a more communicative relationship and a, and a give and take i just think that that e-commerce could be so much more powerful than than you know just the the you know the, the cheesy taglines and the and the um I don't know the the, the short sighted calls to action that you see all over the place. Exactly, in, exactly. In, in trying trying to trick people, trying to trick people and to get that right. quick sale, it never works. It never right. works. Having at all. having a really having a really big. Um, this this is what makes me crazy. I do some coaching for for dropship lifestyles we talked about, and and one of the things that drives me nuts is when you see the person that has the giant trust badge underneath their add to cart button. Right. <laughs> it's like, would you walk into a business meeting and first thing you do is shout? I'm trustworthy, everybody. Trust me, please. You know, everybody's going to look at you go, going, you know, what's wrong with this guy? You know, right. Yeah, You exactly. don't trust that way. No, no, exactly. And you, you make a really strong point there. Um, one of the things that uh, that I do to try and keep that same culture as as we grow, because it's all good and well that, you know, you and I realize that, but it's, it's super important, I think, that once you start hiring um, people to do, you know, 
things in your business, especially um, people that are answering phones and, and sales calls and whatnot, you want to make sure that they adopt that same philosophy as you um, so that it is ingrained in your business. It's ingrained in the DNA of your business. So, so we have, you know, that exact same thing in, you know, embedded in our mission and our value statement. And I'm looking at mine right now, like I've myself and, and every, every person in my team has our company mission and value statement printed out like and on their wall right at their at their desk so they can see it they can live it and breathe it because otherwise like once it starts once a business starts becoming impersonal like what you're saying there about you know just focusing on focusing on like the email subject line and focusing on that you know the next sort of gimmicky thing it 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 sets the business up to fail like it just, just doesn't work versus the opposite side of that if you're like taking care of customers they're happy word of mouth is going to happen um and it'll just keep that that flow on effect that snowball effect your business will just keep growing and growing and growing at least that's what i've found in the past anyway and even as a even as a consumer as a customer when i go to a business and they and i feel like they've treated me right um i'm far more likely to go back there again and recommend that business to my you know friends and family as well Agreed. Agreed. Memories aren't, don't come from, from pictures and, and taglines and, and great looking emails. They come from experiences. Exactly. And that's ultimately what you want to create to develop your brand. That's it. Well, Brian, I know that it's after five now um, in Colorado and uh, it's actually just past 10 here. So I've got to start my day. I'm sure you've got to finish your day and spend some time with the kids and the family. So, um, yeah, thank you so much for being on the show, buddy. It's uh, it's a great, uh, it's always great to catch up. And um, congratulations on being on the show again. <laughs> um, if uh, if people want to get hold of you and find you, of course, you know they can leave a comment um, on the on our website, uh, lifestyleflipper.com. Just look for episode number seven. Uh, or of course, I believe you're a member of our Lifestyle Flipper community on Facebook, so people can join there and ask any questions in there. But uh, is there anywhere else where you'd like people to get hold of you, or or, or are those um, are those is Facebook your preferred place? Yeah, what I would say, you know, if anybody's interested in just reaching out and saying hello, best way to get me is on on Messenger on Facebook. I actually don't spend a ton of time on Facebook anymore in in a lot of these groups just because my time's been been limited and you gotta you gotta spend your bandwidth somewhere. Yeah. But I do I do keep up you know when people when people send me Facebook messen, messages and messages and things like that. So hit me there. I'm also a coach for DSL. Normally I'd say if you're interested in, in coaching and you're a member of DSL, go ahead and find me there and, and set up a um, set up a coaching appointment. But as of right now, I'm actually not on the list. I've, I've basically removed myself from the schedule for a little while because I've been trying to get some things done and, and focus in on a few projects that I want to finish this quarter. So hopefully I'll be back up there soon. Excellent. All right. Um, thanks again for everyone listening to the Lifestyle Flipper Show. Uh, if you've enjoyed this podcast, I'd really love a review on iTunes. It really helps spread the word and get uh, more people uh, interested in this show. Um, Again, Brian, thanks for being on the show and um, have a great afternoon and everyone else will catch you on the next episode. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Looking forward to number three. That's it. (laughs) All right, bye, everyone.